water's just been brought out and up in smoke. An esoteric beer importer calls it quits. Pact finalizes their deal on an actual brewery. This is It's All Beer. Welcome to It's All Beer, and we'd like to welcome all of our new listeners who are so desperate to listen to anything but the dumpster fire that is American politics that they're actually willing to tune into <laughs> this podcast and listen to what is basically two drunks talking about nothing for an hour. I'm Jeremy Jones. I'm Tyler Zimmerman. How you doing today, Tyler? <laughs> I'm doing good. I'm, I'm glad the fucking election's over, because if I hear another political ad, I'm going to go postal. Um, I had the extreme misfortune one time to be traveling through Ohio um, during the 2008 political... Fuck that! Fuck that! And um, I don't know how the entire population of a swing state doesn't just enter a mass murder-suicide pact. Because (laughs) it's bad enough in Idaho where the, the... uh, the where result- everyone knows it's going red. Right, it's a foregone conclusion. You, you know, they could it could be a, a angry badger with a stick up its ass, which it basically was this year. And you know, as long as it has an R in front of their name, the people of Idaho will vote for them. But um, in see, at least in Ohio, literally every ad on television and radio was political. And again, I don't know, I to the people who live in a swing state. My condolences. <laughs> and I'm glad you are. I, I hope most of you made it through this with some shred of your dignity intact. Hopefully. I'm guessing not. Um, I also hope that you uh, all are drinking heavily. And uh, uh, Tyler, what are we drinking today? Well, I'm drinking a little bit of the Anchor uh, Special Ale, the Merry Christmas, Happy New Year beer they do every year. Oh, yeah. So. Uh, that just came out. How is that? I haven't gotten that this year. It is delicious. Uh, so it's their 46th year. Uh, I always love how they change up with a different tree uh, on the label, a different recipe. This year, pretty spice forward, nice and malty, not overly heavy, 7% alcohol. Pretty sessionable, in my opinion. Um, I've got uh, this uh, this year's run of Deschutes Jubilee um, on the deck. Um, I'm mostly because I'm curious as to see i'm convinced they ruined it last year and so i'm looking at that bottle with a certain amount of trepidation um yeah but i'm starting off with a local brewery um the uh, helm of awe which we talked about last week as being uh, uh voted by the uh the uh, uh aha members and the subscribers to the to mergery as the best beer in idaho um, and when I, when, once I informed their sales guy of that, to which he was unaware, he was kind enough to bring me a six-pack. So thank you, Cody. And congratulations. And congratulations, Jerry. Oh, yeah. I, I, act- I actually drank one of them on Friday. It's, and it's, uh, it is as advertised. It is the uh, billet as a robust oatmeal porter. And it is basically a nice, roasty, uh, uh, kind of roasty porter with like a... a, a uh, coffee, coffee notes, a little bit of toffee, and a little bit extra body, which I think you attribute to the oatmeal. Yeah, it's like 100%. A, it's something a bit like more like a light stout. Um, yeah, you get that full kind of roast flavor, and then um, 
the little lighter body. And I'm and, and uh, I'm looking at the head that that's on it as a. I mean, it's a nice thick head. It almost I have it in a Guinness glass, kind of apropos of nothing. Just the first glass I I grabbed, and it actually looks a bit like a Guinness. <laughs> I bet if all right, <laughs> if I with you know if if, uh, if I hid the can, then you know it would be you'd probably think I was drinking Guinness, but I'm not. I'm drinking <laughs> something far superior. Um, so congratulations and thank you again. All right, uh, Tyler, want to kick us off today? Yeah, we've got to start off with we have another hit on the Deadpool, <laughs> and I'm gonna go off on a limb. Neither of us get a point. I'm about ninety percent sure none of us get a point. I mean, I didn't didn't have uh, the brewery, um, and I'm surprised you didn't have get get bought by a bunch of hippies. Yeah, you know, I I really should have, but I didn't. Not all of us can be perfect, uh, <laughs> but uh, so if you aren't sure, um, Sweetwater Brewing just sold to a global cannabis company. Uh, out of Canada for $300 million. Uh, the cannabis company is called Afreya. I'm glad you had to pronounce that and not me. Yeah, I was hoping you'd hop in, but I was like, I'm going to butcher the shit out of this. Uh, <laughs> Afreya is <laughs> as good as anything. Yep. Uh, they're looking to use Sweetwater, uh, Sweetwater's U.S. infrastructure, their manufacturing, marketing, innovation, promotion, and distribution to build awareness in the U.S. for their cannabis brands. Uh, the deal is expected to close super quick uh, by the end of December this year. So that that was super surprising. Uh, but I guess when you're a cannabis brand, you're dealing in all cash, and so <laughs> kind of easy to buy someone. <laughs> Just show up there with a, a few duffel bags full of money, and you can go, uh... Hey man, thing is, it's gonna be all twenties too. <laughs> can we can we buy your brewery? <laughs> Which, when I saw Sweetwater sold, and then I saw it sell to a cannabis brand, I was like, oh, yep. I mean, that makes sense. He, he, see, the only thing that would have made more sense is Lagunitas, but I mean, they're already owned by Heineken, so I mean that yeah, that would be that would be the more obvious choice, but. Although I mean, I, in many ways, I feel that Sweetwater is the Lagunitas of the East Coast, um, in that they are a bunch of uh, 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 pot lovers who also brew beer, um, and they also brew some of the some of the iconic beers in the Southeast. I've uh, I've actually had uh, when I was traveling in Georgia, uh, the 420 uh, ESB and IPA is ubiquitous. It's, oh, hundred percent. It is at every bar that has a craft beer handle. Yep. Uh, the article on craft brewing business talks about the 420 strains of their different beer, uh, where they use turpins and natural hemp flavors, uh, to emulate the flavor and aroma of cannabis strains. Uh, they host their own jam band festival, Sweetwater 420 fest. Um, which has gotta be, <laughs> Listen, I don't know if I could survive the amount of weed I would have to smoke to enjoy a jam band festival. Yep. Uh, but uh, the article actually talks about how Sweetwater uh, has be, was has been crushing sales in 2019. Uh, 
they generated uh, net revenue and adjusted EBITDA uh, of $66.6 million and $22.1 million, respectively, as well as up their production volume by 7% to nearly 261,000 barrels of beer. Did you hear that? Uh, it was to hear that Christians was sixty six point six million dollars. It's happening. It's happening. <laughs> first, first the weed people come, and then they're going to teach your kids to dance. <laughs> also, uh, outside of its twenty seven state distribution footprint, uh, their Sweetwater four twenty extra pale and IPA are served on all Delta flights nationwide. Which makes sense since Delta's headquartered out of Atlanta. And, you know, it's if you're on Delta, you're going to need some sort of booze. If you're on any plane. True. Uh, I seem to remember when I flew a lot, Delta being one of the worst. Uh, I've never had a problem with Delta. Uh, I did see one thing um, that kind of put... Sweetwater into like the Sweetwater sale into perspective against the New Belgium and Dogfish Head sales. Okay. Um, which I was like, holy shit, like this cannabis company actually paid a premium for Sweetwater, who isn't small by any means, but I feel isn't like as big of a name as New Belgium or. Dogfish head. I mean, it's a regional powerhouse. So where, uh, whereas you're not going to find a lot of people. I mean, that has some recognition outside, but I mean, it's it reminds me something more along the lines of a Deschutes. Um, although now they do have a force on the east on the east coast, so that's probably a terrible example. Um, but I mean, but if so, in this infographic they break down the volumes for everyone the sale price and then the price paid per barrel so sweetwater in 2019 did 260,420 barrels of beer god damn of course it had to be 420 to end it <laughs> you know you know that in like november they hit like 420 like we hit four they're like we're done stop we're production. done stop production <laughs> do you know how much money this is going to cost us do you know how much I don't give a shit. <laughs> yeah. This is or, not about the money. This is about it, producing exactly 420 barrels of beer. Or it was like the last week of December and they were at 410 <laughs> barrels and they're like, throw another batch in. <laughs> we, we don't need it. Now, yes, we do. <laughs> um, I'm going to drink and, it myself. <laughs> and then Dogfish Head had 277,727 barrels of beer produced in 2019. Both of them sold for $300 million. Huh. I guess I did what, I mean, I knew that they were big, but I wasn't aware they're producing more than. No, they aren't producing more. They're producing about 17,000 barrels less. Oh, okay. In 2019. I had that that reverse in my head, but it, it, they were a lot closer than I thought. I mean, still, yeah, that's. So the price per barrel goes, $1,152 for Sweetwater, $1,080 for Dogfish Head, and $449 for New Belgium. So, sweet. (laughs) So, 
I guess the drug dealers finally had to pay it over. Well, and it's, I mean, the, the interesting thing about this is they, is the purpose of the perp, the, the purpose of, of the purchase itself is not so much, I mean, obviously to, you know, own and operate a brewery, but as a, if you will, a gateway drug into the American market, uh, which is oddly kind of brilliant because I mean, at, at this point, as of, you know, it, the, I feel like the writing is kind of on the wall as far as the future of cannabis in the United States. Um, recreational pot has uh, has already been legal in several states for a while now with no meaningful federal changes. Um, and the way I see it, uh, it's becoming settled law. I mean, can you imagine what would happen if at this point in time the federal government tried to crack down on uh, recreational weed in Oregon or Washington or Colorado? Well, Oregon, everything's a free-for-all now. So... <laughs> This is true, but I mean, no, seriously. I mean, you think it's bad. Now. Yeah. I just, but, don't, I don't still see the political will either. And so it's actually makes sense that a lot of companies are, and, and by the way, um, there's only seven States at this point in time where marijuana is completely illegal. And Idaho is one of them. Can you guess the others? Uh, I'm going to guess somewhere in, like, the Midwest. I'm going to say Kansas. Kansas is on the list. Okay. Uh, Mississippi. Close. Alabama? Alabama's on the list. Arkansas. Nope. Tennessee. On the list. Uh, There's three more. No, sorry. Yeah, three more. Three more? One One of them borders Idaho. None that border Idaho do. Wyoming. Ah, oh, fuck. <laughs> and, I, I forget we touch up to Wyoming. I hate that state. So. <laughs> and the others are Tennessee and South Carolina. Okay. Oh, well, Wisconsin. Wisconsin's also Wisconsin. Okay. I knew Utah had legalized it they had, medically. Yeah, medical marijuana, yes. Which is a sad state of affairs when uh, Utah is more progressive than your state. Yep. Yep. <laughs> but I mean, but, so the I think the so it's I, I feel like this is like the I mean a, a um, the first of many large marijuana companies that are going to try to find inroads, and this is actually kind of a brilliant way to do it. Besides, not only be able to uh, besides not only is there like a cultural crossfade, if you will, um, <laughs> there you know there's also a, a you know obviously using the you know some of the flavors of marijuana in beer, which Sweetwater has done for some extra dank IPAs. You can use hemp seed or ex- other hemp extracts to uh, accentuate some of the uh, some of the qualities of some of the hops. And let's not forget that Sweetwater has a pretty solid distribution footprint and uh, network going. So mm-hmm. in the south and a good following, yeah. So if you can do some cool things with Sweetwater. This can then convert some of those diehard Sweetwater customers into potential customers for your cannabis brands. Correct. Well, and also you've got, I mean, if you, like I said, there's a there, there's a bit of a cultural overlap, and um, you know, if you can if you can uh, uh, incorporate some of the uh, uh, marijuana product into the beer, like they're already doing, 
there you go. Yeah. So, no, I'll be curious to see uh, if kind of what happens with Sweetwater, but honestly, I feel this is like the brewery purchase that I'm like, yeah, nope, nothing's going to change at fucking Sweetwater. Oh, not a bit. They're, they may just have fucking marijuana dispensers now. <laughs> I mean, I feel I other than uh, the 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 owners of Sweetwater just having the best day of their life. They're like, we get to smoke so much weed now. <laughs> it's <laughs> what they're gonna come find out is that they actually they actually got paid in in weed. There was no actual money changing hands. They just came down with like garbage bags full of uh, of marijuana going uh can we trade this for your brewery just shipping containers full of joints <laughs> and you know what they were happy after that they're like fuck yeah you got a taco truck too we do actually <laughs> <laughs> it's on its way here done all right more beer deadpool news now um, not really a brewery, but a distributor this time is calling it quits. After 24 years, Shelton Brothers, uh, uh, importer of uh, Belgian European beers, um, including brands as um, as uh, De Frontine and um, God damn it, I'm going to mispronounce it again. Cantillon. <laughs> Cantillon. I always want to say Cantillion, and I know that's wrong. <laughs> That's, I can count to a gazillion. That's, that's, a, that's a strange dance that rich people in the South do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. Cantillon and uh, formerly Prairie and Jolly Pumpkin um, are are having to call it quits. Uh, and McKellar, formerly. And also, yeah, formerly McKellar. Uh, the distributor of uh, all these brands is having to call it quits uh, due to uh, 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 banks um, basically owning everything they have. Um, <laughs> wah, wah, wah. The uh, uh, one of the owners, Dan Shelton, um, and this uh, uh, this article comes from uh, Good Beer Hunting. It's by uh, Kate Bernat. Um, says the company. It, says he what didn't say how much the company owes uh to um to uh, the berkshire to berkshire bank um but they have had to shed 25 staffers payroll um and the bank is pretty much pretty much lining up to seize what they uh what they have which is probably a shit ton of really really nice beer yeah and they're getting all the assets all the inventory and basically the bank's going to just try to sell the company off as a whole to someone else to get some money back um a quote from shelton says uh quote basically they have rights to every last paper clip that belongs to shelton brothers they're going to take that and they're going to sell it we're trying to get them to sell it to people who will treat it right buy the assets the beer we have in the warehouse and continue the business although the nature of their business strikes me that's going to be a tough sell right now yes um, so uh if you're not familiar um uh, Shelton Brothers is, uh, I mean, they're responsible. They're kind of like a uh, a like a midway importer, or midway distributor rather. Um, there's a few of them. Twelve percent being another one, where they're not so much like a like the uh, uh, the distributor that buys the beer from the brewery to um, to then take to um, to retail. Um, they are actually kind of they buy it from the brewery and then sell it to another distributor who then sells it uh, to a retail store. 
Um, they yes. kind of act. They kind of act like a a, a hub and uh, for especially like hard to find um, and specialty beers. Um, sours, uh, uh, sours being like a major focus of what they do. And European imports and Correct. yeah. Um, I did see an article on food and wine that talks about this. Um, and I mean, the main reason they're going belly up and losing everything was COVID. Uh, in March, uh, they were talking, uh, and they said they did 15% of what they had done in March of 2019. 15 so they had a 85% drop off in sales because of bars and restaurants and the, all the stay at home orders and lockdowns um so that and i mean bars and restaurants they talk about in the article were responsible for 50% of their sales so and they're dealing with a specialized product, which I mean, when you when you start hitting economic uh, hardships, um, that you know, fifty bottle, fifty dollar bottle of Cantillon that suddenly doesn't look as appetizing as um, a, a thirty rack of Coors Light to drown your sorrows. I want to meet the person whose the whose range is that high, though. <laughs> Jeremy, you know that person. <laughs> Am I looking at him? <laughs> well, that and I was going to say Renee. Oh, that's oh yeah, that's right. He, yeah, but that that motherfucker. Renee's. Was... I was going to say Renee's chugged a barrel aged beer that's twenty dollars. That and then started would... playing beer pong with Miller Lite right afterwards. That motherfucker would chug would chug one of those beers just to piss me off. Um, he's become kind of a like a like an invisible force on this podcast. Someday we're gonna have to like bring him on just to prove he exists and see if he actually listens. I don't know. He's the most referenced person on here. <laughs> People who are listening just assume that there's like this this drunken hurricane all over the city of Boise, just uh, doing chug videos of barrel aged beer and generally causing a nuisance, which isn't actually a bad character, not a bad uh, uh, summary actually. <laughs> yeah, well, anyway, par for the course. Um, I think, I mean, obviously, COVID was the death knell. I mean, um, you know, once once they lost that much, and you know, the and again, the owner was uh, was quoted as saying, um, our, you know, about their sales in February and March. Quote: uh, Our sales were shit, really, really shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, they, they have been they have been uh, not ter- faring terribly well before then. Um, they've had cash flow problems dating back to 2018. Um, although I mean, doing okay uh, with uh, with revenue in excess of 10 million, but heavily dependent on selling products from two companies, um, namely McAllister and Prairie, both of which McKellar McKellar. I'm going to go ahead and just blame this on me not sleeping hardly at all. Um, uh, sorry. So uh, those are some of their biggest brands and most responsible for their uh, for their uh, for their income. And both of them kind of FRO'd around t- uh, 2018. Um, they 
Sheldon said about that, um, they, uh, quote, they decided they were too big. They didn't need us anymore. Um, a, a charge that the owner of Prairie does not dispute. Um, but, uh, that they basically had a better business model that they wanted to pursue. Um, but at that, that was, I think the start of it, but yes, COVID then was, I'm going to assume that unless something changed drastically for Sheldon brothers, they were going to kind of fade into a relevancy because although having a, a, a nice command of, uh, of, uh, European styles, um, st- that's a hard sell in the, in the United States market. And then besides that, they had Anchorage and Jolly Pumpkin, which are, Solid, uh, solid uh, American accounts, but only if you really like, uh, you know, uh, extended age sours. Yeah. Also, in May, they got hit with an order to pay $2.1 million to River North, a Chicago area beer distribu- distributor over distribution rights dating back to 2011. So. Jesus. You lose basically 85% of your sales in March, limp through April, and then May get told you have to pay $2 million. Oh, um, yeah. You pretty much just uh, bend over, grab your ankles, and think of England. <laughs> uh, there was, in the Good Beer Hunting article, they also talked to the owner of kind of a specialty bottle shop, the Hop Leaf in Chicago, uh, and he actually brings up a good point that I didn't even realize was the Shelton brothers success ultimately helped in their downfall. Uh, they had were able to bring in these European beers that are very traditional and got people excited about all these different beers and styles and really just exploded the imagination of people. Uh, and then people started making them in the states that are on a similar quality level or close, but for a fraction of the cost because you don't have the importers you have to go through. And so people were like, oh, I love that Saison, but I'm going to buy this Saison instead. Because it's, you know, five bucks cheaper a bottle. Yes. Um... So they kind of kickstart kickstarted like all those barrel aged sours, the Belgian beers and really took that off. And then their success and popularity got other breweries here in the States to do it, to then take them out. I mean, that's, there is probably something to that because there was a time, um, not that long ago, frankly, um, where a barrel aged sour beer, uh, you know, I'd say 10 years ago in this country was, there was no brewery really doing that. Maybe Cascade. I don't think Cascade may have been founded around that time. I forget, but yeah. Um, but you know, that, that tradition had, you're right, had not yet come over. And so if you want if, if you were at all curious about, uh, some of those European traditions, you'd have to, that would be your primary uh, place to get it. But the uh, with hopefully that uh, uh, that somebody who has cash uh, can come in and uh, pick up the pieces and continue their fine tradition. Um, 
if uh, if there's a, a a pot company in Ca- in Canada that uh, has a little extra cash, I'm sure they'd be okay with that too. Do we have a deal for you? <laughs> we'll uh, help, we'll broker this deal. We'll you know ten percent finders fee. We got this. <laughs> you just keep sending Cantillon to my house, and bam. All right, Tyler. What's next? Uh what's next is uh, we've got a little update. We talked about kind of back during the original shutdown uh dixie beer out of new orleans uh was gonna be changing their name well we've got an update here uh they have came out with a press release to announce its new name drum roll and thank god for a phonetic sounding pronunciation in the article or else i would have been acting like jeremy butchering this name uh, yeah well, let's not have a repeat of me trying to get through this article <laughs> <laughs> uh it's the new name is Faubourg. um it's a french word that is often used interchangeably with neighborhood in new orleans um so in a statement from the owner <coughs> sorry uh, she came out and said uh, that when her and her husband acquired the majority interest in Dixie Beer in 2016 they recognized they were investing in more than a brewery they were investing in a strong and resilient community uh, so when they embarked on wanting to change the name to encompass the spirit and diversity of all of the New Orleans unique neighborhoods uh, they were excited when they reached this one uh, because it kind of is a celebration of the city the commitment to new orleans uh and uh doesn't have the negative connotations that dixie does Uh, they actually reached out and engaged with a bunch of people from new orleans beer drinkers hospitality workers uh historians uh, to help participate in the rebranding process. Uh, they've received over 5,400 online submissions for names, uh, and they analyzed a lot of them, trying to make sure they uh, found the right one. With that... Would, that oh, go ahead. Sorry, that, that would suck to accidentally pick something else that was uh, vaguely... That was either vaguely racist or harkened back to uh, uh, to the Confederacy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Faubourg kept coming up and up. Uh, and they said they've always believed their products have brought people together. Uh, it, and so Faubourg is a unifying name uh, that celebrates every corner of New Orleans. Uh, the Dixie beer brand will remain in place until 2021. Um, then it'll be switched over to Faubourg beer. Uh, that'll be on the shelves and taps in early 2021, according to, uh, the company. Cool. It also, it also plans to enhance the existing Dixie beer museum at the brewery there in new Orleans to, and transform it into a new Orleans beer museum that will pay homage to the city's 300 plus year brewing history and the great early new orleans beers including dixie um so they're gonna start adding and 
kind of make it more into not necessarily a history of their product, but a history of kind of beer in New Orleans. So I really like that uh, name change because I it. You know, I, I can all you can already hear the the uh, uh, the rumblings of of oh they're erasing the history uh, blah 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 you know rabble 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 rabble. Uh, it's still taken from I think it's still taken from history and southern culture and still it still has that uh, still has that homage to uh, to its to its uh, uh, to its home region. Yeah, it's still very New Orleans. Especially, yeah, the fact that it's a French name um, and something a little bit more inclusionary, which, you know, Dixie arguably is not. Yeah. So, um, and I mean, the fact that they kind of got the community involved trying to figure out what would be the best change of a name really kind of inspires that, you know, we're more alike than we, than we like to think sometimes and... We all want to be appreciated. Uh, so yeah, that's uh, especially you know, especially a, something uh, uh, that uh, that's kind of cool uh, about uh, you know towards uh, New Orleans culture. I'm a big fan of New Orleans myself. Uh, you obviously are. What parts <laughs> you're uh, before before all this went down, or maybe during it? I'm not entirely sure that uh, Tyler didn't bring the COVID uh, uh, with him back from New Orleans. <laughs> <laughs> I swear it was just a hangover. Uh, that was where he celebrated his bachelor party back in February. Um, right before all hell broke loose. I mean, I'm just saying, I'm not saying uh, uh, that Tyler is definitely responsible for the pandemic. I'm saying the timing is a little bit, uh, uh, a little bit suspect. Hey, if I had it, I was asymptomatic. So that's what, so are plague rats. <laughs> uh, well, that's the nicest compliment you've ever given me, Jeremy. <laughs> uh, that's cool. I hope to someday uh, uh, try, try that beer under its new name. You had it while yeah. you were down there. How is it? Uh, Dixie was just a light American lager. It wasn't. It was basically New Orleans's Coors Light. Can't remember if I ever had tried it when I was during the time I spent there. I probably realized like, oh, it's just a regional domestic, um, and there are there are you know, craft beers not terribly easy to find there. Not as easy as absinthe, and absinthe is kind of good. <laughs> but it was nice when we'd walk into like a restaurant to eat while we were hungover in the morning, and you'd sit down, and you'd be like, I'll take a Dixie. And you didn't even have to look at the taps because you just knew it was going to be on tap. All right. So, Jeremy, I noticed you switched over beers. What you got? Well, so I had – so uh, like I said before, I had Jubilee on deck this, uh, uh, this year's version um, because I was sort of convinced – that this was, this really was one of the beers that I really look forward to every year. Um, uh, historically, very like like uh, it's this really nice like malt forward, spicy, but easy drinking, flavorful uh, uh, beer they put out every year. Last year I got it and was like, there's something. It you know it's like Choco Vesa that we had last episode. Where yep. we, where we both drank it, looked at each other across the uh, uh, across the our various cameras, and going, "Do you remember this being better?" Which 
oddly enough, I was talking to some other beer reps out in the market, and one of them had grabbed a Soco Vesa and was like, oh, have you had this year's? And I was like, yeah, I wasn't a big fan of this year's. They're like, what? This is my favorite year so far. And I'm like, maybe it was just me. I No. <laughs> I mean, maybe they just don't like his... Maybe they maybe they were always drinking Choco Vesa and just saying to themselves, man, this would be a really good beer if you just took all the flavor away. Um, <laughs> like if you took away all the chocolate and all the pepper and just had like a moderate stout, this would be perfect. <laughs> Go figure. Uh-huh. Um, this is kind of how I remember it. Um, like light malt flavors, like light fruit on there, like uh, uh, dark cherry touch of like uh, 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 sweet spice cinnamon uh, allspice this is fairly this is kind of close to where I remember so not not quite the disappointment that I believe Choco Vesa was last year um, so maybe it was maybe it was just me I think uh, Good. okay I'm, I'm happy with this <laughs> or maybe well, just the shoots hasn't hasn't uh, uh, hasn't uh, uh, disappointed me as much as stone has fair enough. I don't know why Stone is suddenly our whipping guy, but... Because <laughs> they have not came out and publicly denounced that the delicious IPA was a terrible creation and an abomination to humanity. No, the abomination to humanity is sitting in, is it was in an empty bottle sitting behind me. That was the uh, uh, Arrogant Bastard and uh, a Jägermeister collaboration. Which, oh, thank God I didn't have to drink that. Which you were, which you were uh, absent for. Uh, uh, one of our one of our regular listeners was nice enough to bring that in, um, and um, it was exactly what you'd think of if you say, "Hey, what would happen if I combined Arrogant Bastard and?" And uh, Jägermeister. Jägermeister. Oh yeah, um, this tastes like what would be coming out, at, coming back up after a bad night, <laughs> <laughs> or a good night, depending. Basically, uh, they just gave a bunch of college kids a bunch of arrogant bastard and a bunch of Jägermeister, and just had them vomit back into the bottle. <laughs> oh, well, I need to go and deal with that image, Tyler. To c- <laughs> carry this on. <laughs> Well, we have another update to get to. Uh, so if you remember, Jeremy and I got into a little debate of whether PBR buying a physical brewery location from Molson Coors counted to the Deadpool. Uh, we have an update on that deal. I feel uh, like we kind of settled it and decided, nah, it doesn't really count. Yeah, no. I was, I was uh, tempted to like just argue for argument's sake, but... Even if I was gonna do, I'm, I my brain is too fried and I'm too tired by evidence of the fact that I keep on trying to pronounce uh, 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 Cantillon Cotillion. <laughs> yep. Well, so both companies announced uh, last week that the 150 million dollar sale of the Irwindale, California facility to uh, the Paps subsidiary Irwindale Brew Yard has been completed. Uh, Molson Coors stopped production at the brewery earlier this year. Um, but the article that I found says the future of the brewery still isn't clear. Um, and that the company is conducting a feasibility study to determine whether it will reopen the brewery. 
So PBR may have just bought a brewery that it won't end up using. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> That's a very PBR thing to do. But let's be honest here. PBR will, so that way they can stop having the issues that we've talked about multiple times of like Molson Coors being like, oh, we'll contract brew. Oh, no, we won't. We'll contract brew. Oh, no, we won't. So I think they'll just sink some money into it. They'll get it back up, make it what they want, revitalize it a little, and then continue forward from there having their own brewery. Well, you, you might as well. I feel like it's one of the – it's an in for a penny, in for a pound situation. I mean, otherwise what you're looking at is a is just a, a room full of equipment that may not even be worth the scrap. Yeah. <laughs> So I mean, you kind of you kind of you kind of look and go, ah, motherfuck. Okay, well, this is gonna cost a few more thousand dollars than we had originally anticipated. Ah. But oh well. But luckily, we're paps. Let's sell a few a few million more hats to some hipsters and let's do this. <laughs> but people can so... love our beer ironically to to the point where we can get this up and running. <laughs> <laughs> so. We'll keep everyone posted uh, as soon as we can find out when they start churning some pibber right through California. Uh, everything about that statement makes me angry for some reason. <laughs> pibber, <laughs> you have ordered you you have ordered a, a PBR that way, haven't you? Oh hell yeah! Oh. Tyler, your northern Idaho is showing. <laughs> Jeremy, you're ordering PBR to be an ironic hipster is showing. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, Jeremy, what do we got? All right. Uh, winter will definitely kill craft beer. No shit, really. This time, craft beer will die. It's all your fault news now. Um, you might remember about 50 years ago in April, the uh, Brewers Association sent out a press release that had every major news outlet in the country basically running the same headline. 50% of all breweries are going to die before the summer. Uh, you might remember back in episode, this is actually back in episode 40, we basically went through and, well, not debunked it, but we put it into some contests. Uh, long story short, things weren't quite as bad as they were um, as they were letting on. It was bad, not quite as bad. In fact, the uh, industry has enjoyed a bit of a reprieve over the summer. Um Shutdowns relaxed. Outdoor seating became the acceptable method of going out for a pint and uh, while being relatively safe. Um, but as it tends to do around this year, in fact, it's snowing outside right now. Um, yep. The Fucking bullshit. The weather is changing, and apparently there are people who don't want to sit outside in this weather and drink beer. You pansies. <laughs> Um, this uh, uh, this uh, uh, article comes from the editorial board at Craft Brewing Business, and it follows a few well-known breweries uh, and their plans for the upcoming months to keep the beer flowing while the pandemic hits new highs. Uh, Fremont Brewing out of Seattle went big on Tavor. Uh, if you're not familiar, it's a service that ships beer all over the country, and I also predict, predict that someday it'll be on the top ten reasons of why I had to go to community, to community college in about five to ten years. If you if you understand Tavor, you know it's a giant money sake. I have never used it myself because I would go broke. Oh, and it, the shipping is what gets you on that shit. 
That being said, you can get some quality ass beer. In fact, um, and they actually had a bit of a problem earlier this year because every brewery and their mother was trying to get on Tavor. And so they had to, they were trying to sort through uh, uh, what they could, what they wanted to sell. But Fremont made the, made the call for obvious reasons because Fremont is solid across the board. Their IPAs and their barrel age program are world-class. Um, and so they're keeping Tavor going, um, but for the coming winter, uh, to keep the to try to keep an outdoor experience, um, they're going to uh, um, line their beer garden with uh, native trees to help block the wind, and in, and installing some quote hardcore ceramic natural gas heaters, which is pretty much fine for Seattle. Uh, it doesn't get cold as much as it just rains nonstop uh, until about May. It doesn't really freeze in Seattle, except for like once every decade, and that's when the entire city just loses their mind. And at that point, everything shut down anyways, so... Yeah. Um, now, a place like Colorado and Weldworks is a little bit different. Um, they managed to weather the summer by putting up a couple of large party tents, uh, complete with turf, and a speaker system, and socially distanced picnic tables. Uh, getting into the winter, they're taking down the tents and reopening indoor seating at 50% capacity. But they're also augmenting their patio by installing a weather-resistant plexiglass roof and nine infrared heaters. Uh, the biggest hurdle they're running into, however, is doing this and mitigating it, trying to maintain enough ventilation to uh, keep the space safe. Um, and last but not least, so the brewery they were uh, talking about, Evil Twin, out of New York City, um, we're lucky enough to, uh, uh, they already had a really big outdoor space to use during the summer. They're planning on installing a couple of large tents and heaters to keep people imbibing uh, through some of their uh, weird-ass creations. Uh, one that's coming out um, uh, in a, very soon is uh, the Midtown Dew Sour Ale. It's a sour beer brewed with actual Mountain Dew syrup. Hell Yeah! Listen, I don't think I want everybody to survive this. That sounds fucking terrible. <laughs> I like Evil Twin, but come on. That just... I, 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 threw, I had to chew back a little bit just saying it out loud just there. <laughs> I heard, like, the physical cringe in your voice. <laughs> I had it written down in my notes and even, like, getting approaching it, like, going, here we go, let's... Let's just let's power through a sour ale brute. I don't. Does high fructose corn syrup ferment? I don't know. God. Although I did see this one video on like Facebook one time where a guy was actually like fermenting Mountain Dew. Ugh. And like, there's certain steps you have to take because there's so many preservatives in it that if you don't do those steps. It'll just fucking kill your yeast. Um, evil twins, stop that. <laughs> Although I do believe your uh, uh, your uh, imperial stout, the some people are immune to good advice, is the uh, is the beer of twenty twenty. Um, it's, I think it's fair to say that the winter is going to be a challenging time for a lot of breweries, but uh, the support is the, the support is obviously there. The, the demand is there. Um, and it's just a matter of making a space that's both comfortable and safe. And I mean, the answer is, 
you know, try to mitigate the weather, throw up some heaters. I know there's a, I already know there's a, a shortage on those big ass uh, propane heaters all over the country because everybody's getting it, getting them to uh, try to maintain some sort of outdoor space. But um, mm-hmm. that's that's how we're gonna get make it through. Unless you want to go go the uh, who was which brewery we were talking about last week? That's basically shut. Ballast Point. Ballast Point. Thank you. Uh, that's or you can just hibernate for the winter. That's your options. Either bend over and hope for the best, or go to sleep. Um, March isn't too far away, and let's you know pray to the gods that March twenty twenty one is better than March twenty twenty. Yep, let's pray. All right, Tyler. Anything else to add today? Nope, that is it for me. Well, this has been it's all beer. Uh, as always, you can find the stories we use to uh, to uh, pontificate endlessly, half drunk. Uh, and mispronouncing uh, you know, uh, 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 popular uh, European beers. Um, you can find all those articles on our Twitter feed uh, it, at It's All Beer One. Um, we put up uh, pictures of what we, we've been drinking during the podcast on our Instagram account and Facebook. You can follow us there at It's All Beer. And of course, if you come across a story that you'd just like to listen to us uh, uh, rant about, um, or just want to tell us just uh, 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 how bad my pronunciation is, uh, you can get a hold of us at itsallbeer at gmail.com. And as always, uh, if you feel so inclined, you can rate us on Facebook, iTunes, probably Stitcher. I don't know. You know what? I think I was going through some stuff. There's still some of those uh, non-alcoholic beers that we were going to chug uh, when we got reviews. <laughs> Tell you what. If you someone leaves a five-star review, you can also, in that review, leave a word that you want Jeremy to try to pronounce on the podcast. Oh, go fuck yourself with a big rest of <laughs> <laughs> And that'll be all from us. I'm Jeremy Jones. I'm Tyler Zimmerman. I'm going to have a beer. Have fun. Man.